0: How are you going? Hope you've had a great day. You are listening to Healthyish, your podcast from body and soul. I'm your host, Felicity Harley. Hey, have you heard of grey drinking? Well, you'd be surprised at how many of us probably fall right into this category. Just think of, well, mummy wine culture. We've all somehow been apart or been sucked into it. Well, Sarah Rusbatch has been there and she thought drinking helped her, well, keep a shit together. But she soon realised it actually didn't. She's now an accredited grey area drinking coach and she's on today to talk about, well, the worrying cultural trend of grey drinking and why it can be so destructive for your health. Now, if you want to hear today's full interview where Sarah talks more about her journey, how she recovered and how she basically doesn't drink now and is so much better for it, just search for Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your awesome podcasts. Sarah, thank you for joining us on Healthy-ish today. You've been for a run this morning. How's your day starting so far? It's
1: always good when the sun is shining and I get to go and do some exercise first thing. It's a good way to start the day, right?
0: Absolutely. Now, you're talking to us today about grey area drinking, What is this exactly? Very interesting topic. So
1: if you think about someone's drinking as being on a scale of one to ten, one is someone who barely thinks about drinking, maybe has a glass of champagne at a wedding and then doesn't think about alcohol again for another six months. 10 being someone who's physically dependent on alcohol. So someone who would need to have medical support to stop drinking um, and really would have such intense withdrawal symptoms. If they stopped, they'd have to be medically managed. So those are two very um, extreme ends of the scale and gray area drinking sits in the middle. So I would say that if we, if one's someone who barely drinks and 10 someone who's physically dependent, I would call gray area drinking probably between a five and an eight on that scale.
0: So is it, a good place to be or where, you know, is it, I mean, that doesn't sound too concerning, but in some ways it is concerning, right? It
1: is What I define grey area drinking as being is most of the people that I work with um, fall into that category of, let's say, for example, you're making rules around your drinking and then you're breaking them. You have noticed that you have nothing else in your toolkit to manage your emotions. So the minute you feel angry, stressed, pissed off, tired, like whatever it is, your first thought is, I need to have a glass of wine. If we notice that we're starting to use alcohol as something more than just a nice, so, a nice drink to have with dinner and we're using it in a dysfunctional way, that's when our relationship with alcohol has changed. And that's when we then become very vulnerable and very susceptible to that going very quickly from a five to a six to a seven to an eight. And then we just don't know where that's going to end because we're, we're on that slippery slope at that point.
0: So what are some warning signs? I mean, already I'm, I'm just having this, these text messages that are sent with some of my mum's WhatsApp groups. Oh, I can't wait for a wine at seven. Or, you know, what are the warning signs that you might be a grey area drinker?
1: So for me and for a lot of the people that I work with, there's a tipping point, right? There's a tipping point when we notice that alcohol is starting to to take more than it's giving. So we're using it in a dysfunctional way. We're making rules around our drinking and we're breaking them. Even the fact that we've got to the point where we're making rules around our drinking is a warning bell. Because people that don't have a problem with drinking don't think about drinking. People that don't have a problem with drinking don't sit there going, right, I'm not allowed to drink on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not allowed to drink before 5 p.m. I can only drink on the weekend at lunchtime if it's with other people. Like the rules that me and the ladies that I work with have set themselves around alcohol is the first warning sign. Or it might be that every time you drink, you intend to have one or two and you're drinking a lot more. And that was me every time. I'm just having one or two tonight, and then the bottle would be gone, and then I'm opening the second bottle. Or I'm only having one or two, and I'm going to drive, and then the car's been left there, and I've got an Uber home, and I wake up the next morning full of shame, full of regret, full of remorse, got to go and pick the car up, feel like rubbish. So when we notice that we're making rules, we're breaking those rules, we're thinking about drinking, we're planning events around drinking, we're noticing that the impact of alcohol is is really started to affect us. Like for me, it was affecting my sleep. I was waking up at 3 a.m. every time I was drinking. I was having terrible anxiety the next day. The, the hangovers were not only affecting me physically, but they were affecting my mental health. Those are, are some of the first signs that we may have tipped into that grey area.
0: So tell us how it can be destructive for our health and also for our relationships. It's not just about us, right? It's about the people we're with.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's so much that we don't know that not shared openly about alcohol like i was surprised to learn that um alcohol um one in five breast cancer diagnoses in australia are directly attribute, attributed to alcohol oh, wow. one in five
0: that's three quite glasses astonishing. of wine a week
1: yeah three glasses of wine a week increases your risk of breast cancer by 15 only
0: three yeah. that's it okay
1: yeah um when you the reason is When you drink alcohol, it raises your circulating um, estrogen by 200% in the bloodstream. And that's what causes, um, that leads to estrogen dominance and can then go on to lead to hormonal cancers such as ovarian cancer and breast cancer. Alcohol causes anxiety, there is absolutely no doubt about it, but but we're sold the myth that alcohol is the solution to anxiety. I was thinking, I'm stressed, I feel really anxious, I must have a glass of wine, because in the moment it does that. In the moment it does exactly what we want it to do. But what we're starting to understand more and more, and what I now understand as a grey area drinking coach, is it messes with the neurotransmitter imbalance, um, the, the, the balance that our brain wants to have, when we drink alcohol it completely destroys that that balance and what happens is our brain releases a hormone that actually makes us feel depressed to counter the impact of the alcohol. So there is no getting away from the fact that alcohol really impacts our mental health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we all can attest to that. We've all, you know, been there and had, well, the come down from the night before, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. How can we have a healthy relationship? And I suppose more importantly, how can we get better at saying, no, we don't want to drink? We're not drinking today. It's okay.
1: It's hard. It's hard for lots of reasons because alcohol is an addictive substance. Um, If we've built that neural pathway in our brain that says, when I'm stressed, I must drink alcohol. When I'm tired, I must drink alcohol. When I'm angry, I must drink alcohol. There's a whole lot of unconditioning that has to happen within the brain to break down those neural pathways. So in terms of how can we have a a healthy relationship with alcohol, I believe if we've crossed that line, And our relationship with alcohol has become dysfunctional. I don't think we can ever have a healthy relationship with alcohol. maybe
0: my my question, should it be, can you actually have a healthy relationship with alcohol?
1: Not if you've crossed the line. I don't believe that's possible. Um, I know for me, when I took my first break from alcohol, I took 100 days off and I was like, wow, I feel amazing. I'll be a normal drinker now. I'll just be able to moderate. And within a week, I was back to drinking the same amount as before. And now I know that moderation for most people is just not possible. It's actually easier to have none than it is to have one. Because as soon as I have one, all that dopamine response in my brain, all of those neural pathways get lit up and my brain's going more, 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 more. I don't want to just have one. I want to have five and I want to get drunk. Like That was kind of how my brain was wired. So for me, in actual fact, it was so much easier to just go, nah, it's off the table. I'm not even drinking for now. Um, and then the freedom that that gave me was incredible.
0: So how can we actually say no? Is it just a matter of saying no, I'm not drinking? Or is there any, you know, expert lines we should, you know, how can we kind of shut someone down without hurting, say, a friend's feelings who wants to go out for a drink?
1: It's really hard because alcohol is the only drug you have to justify not taking. You say you've stopped smoking and people go, well done. You say you're, you're not drinking and the standard response is don't be so boring, just have one. So we have to dig really deep within us. We have to be really clear on our why. And that's why I always say to the ladies, I run alcohol free programs four times a year, and it's all women um, all across Australia and global. being in a group like that and doing it with other people at the same time is really helpful because if all your friends are still drinking and they're all getting pissed every night and they're making you feel like you're being the boring one because you're not drinking, it's so helpful to have a safe place to go to be able to, to share with other women who are going through the same thing. But it's also in the early days, it's it's important to, to prioritize what your goals are. And if your goal is to do 30 days off alcohol, then we need to look at how we're spending our time and who with and are they going to be supportive of us or not um bit, and, and learn to say no to things that we don't want to go to that are just about getting drunk like i don't want to spend the whole saturday afternoon in the pub when everyone's getting drunk because i'm not drinking yeah, so absolutely. then it's about choosing how we spend our time
0: but i think that's a great point surround yourself with people who are going to empower you to say no and be okay with your decision sarah thank you so much for coming on Healthy-ish. no thank you for having me I hope you got some great tips from Sarah on how to, well, say no, really. (laughs) If you want more from Sarah, she is up on Extra Healthy-ish talking about her own journey with grey area drinking. Uh, It's a great chat, actually, that one. If you want more from us, make sure you jump on to bodyandsoul.com.au or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you have a moment, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. And until tomorrow, stay healthy-ish.